Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is Tom, Progressive Mindset, our podcast. Always glad to have you guys listening. Uh, appreciate the feedback and the increased listenership. We really enjoy doing this. This is Conversations uh, with Michael Schreiber. We're back again, as we will be every week on Wednesdays. Uh, we have an interesting show for you today. Michael's going to kick us off and kind of talk about some things that have been bouncing around in his head. So uh, without further ado, my brother, good to see you again, Michael. You too. It's always fun. This is fun. this is a fun time. I look forward to this every week. It's nice to just be able to to talk shop with a colleague, a fellow, a fellow healthcare provider and a fellow mental health care provider. And we wanted to actually my wife gave us the our topic that we're gonna talk about tonight. And, and um yeah, I think it's one that's important to healthcare providers and it's about um self-care for healthcare providers and how healthcare providers should be thinking about how to take care of themselves during this um, unusual time that we're all living through. And um, you know, there's been a lot of appreciation, uh, public appreciation for healthcare providers um, re recently. And at the end of some of the previous podcasts, I, I live in New York and uh, that the neighborhoods here at seven o'clock uh, celebrate by making a lot of noise and stuff. And uh, it's a nice thing to do. And so it's uh, lately, lately I've been thinking more about how healthcare providers should be taking care of themselves during these dark times. And so I've been thinking about myself as well. And so before, before Tom hit record, we were talking about how he and I are both kind of liking staying home and working from home. And, uh, you know, we have, obviously have different jobs, but I've never worked from home before and I really appreciate it. And, and it, I realized how much more humane it feels to work from home and how much easier it is to take care of myself working from home because I don't necessarily have to get up at uh, the time I get up, which is pretty early every day. I don't have to force myself to get out of bed, which which is just the reality, because I get up pretty early in the morning. I have a, about a 45 minute commute one way. And so that's been great, being able to do that. My wife works from home, she works from home just exclusively prior to this, uh, prior to the pandemic even. And so it's nice to be able to hang out with her a little bit during the day and see her on my lunch break. So that's fun. I get to see her a little bit more. We get to interact a little bit more. And so anyway, I've, I've been thinking more about how, how much more humane that feels and how much better I feel physically emotionally and psychologically. And it makes me feel a lot of empathy and compassion for the healthcare providers who can't work from home, specifically the ones that are on the front lines. Um, but anyway, so it, it's this situation has gotten me thinking more about how healthcare providers should be taking care of themselves. Because I think we had touched on this before, Tom, but in my experience, 
and my real only experience has been with other mental health care providers, but I don't see a lot of mental health care providers really taking very good care of themselves. I don't know if you know you feel the same way or what you observed in you know your experience and career, but um, I think that there's a big uh, I'm not sure what you even want to call it a, a there's a neglect. Folks seem to neglect themselves. And I think this situation highlights that even further. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, there has been a neglect for sure. I mean, throughout my career, uh, I'm guilty of it too, uh, falling into this, uh, you know, uh, uh, compassion fatigue. Uh, I've talked a lot about that with other clinicians and have even encouraged, you know, uh, get together and let's let's do like a peer review or let's discuss cases or let's just, you know, vent our frustrations or just release stuff. Um, but we tend to put our clients, our work, uh, our, our everything first, and we neglect to actually have that healthy balance, the same kind of balance that we're trying to teach our clients to have, you know? Um, and yet yeah, to add on and to your point, um, I've actually found it more enjoyable being home doing the virtual uh, sessions, it, even though I definitely prefer the face-to-face -face interaction with people. And I like having the office, the space where people can come and heal, uh, be feel uh, unencumbered and have that confidentiality. You know, I mean, even over the internet, we have the confidentiality, but, um, and HIPAA compliant software, but there's still, you know, it's accessing a satellite out in space. So, I mean, you, I guess you really never truly know or feel safe, but the office, there's something magical about that. So I do kind of miss that. However, in regards to self-care, it's been much more beneficial. I've had the opportunity to actually, you know, sleep in a little bit later, like you were saying, you know, when my wife has a day off, I'm able to, you know, go greet her and she's watching a show. I get to sit down, give her a hug and a kiss and watch a little bit of the show, maybe make something nice to eat, you know, where I'm not um, just kind of running to the office fridge, you know, to see if I can uncover my uh, chicken wrap that's sandwiched in between other Tupperware from other, you know, uh, occupants. Um, but I, I kind of like it, you know, and, uh, I do have to get out of the house every once in a while, which is important, you know, so if I spend all day sort of in my home made up office, you know, at the end of the day, kind of let me go take a drive and, you know, uh, catch up on the, uh, uh, Howard Stern that I missed cause I slept in, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I really saw how, how healthcare providers can take better care of themselves. Um, since kind of observing my wife's ability to work from home over these last couple of years. And she's really very thankful for it. And, and I'm very thankful for it. She's happier and healthier for it. And close my window a little bit. And um, yeah. Um, and now. It sound like I'm, somebody's being flogged out there. <laughs> that's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> there's these stairs there um and uh so you know i really see how beneficial working from home is and you know kind of the larger overarching theme is 
how to take better care of, of oneself. And it's, it's gotten me thinking um, just how the workforce, our workforce, the U.S. workforce, is not designed for self-care at all. It's designed for being productive. It's designed for production sake. And yeah. it's really not designed to take good care of oneself. That's just not, it's not our system. It's not something that's, um, you know, something that's, a and so many of us don't make self-care a priority. And especially if you're a healthcare provider, your, your whole orientation is to take care of others. That's your, or it's what you're trained for. It's what you're told to do indirectly and directly. And so it makes it hard for healthcare providers to take good care of themselves. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Right now. And I think it's something finally that is kind of being, you know, publicized in, you know, the zeitgeist of society that they don't get to take real good care of themselves. Yeah. And it's, it's good that it's finally being talked about and discussed. Um, you know, the question is, what do you do about that? When woven into the fabric of our society, this idea that, well, if you're a healthcare provider, you don't have to take good care of yourself. Or, or if you do take good care of yourself, you're not doing your job because you're your patients before yourself. Yeah. Well, anyway, for me, this is what I've been thinking about. And this situation has brought up a lot of questions in me about, about self-care, how I take care of myself. Yeah. Do our healthcare providers take care of themselves? And so this is what I've been thinking about. Uh, yeah. Um, there was something that stirred when you were um, talking. I remember um, working at a clinician at a hospital. And uh, um, uh, as I started kind of moving up, I became in more of a leader, uh, lead therapist uh, role. And so but with that came some uh, administrative duties. And I remember uh, it was a challenge uh, for me. I've always uh, been a good leader, I think, you know, I learned from really good leaders uh, and sort of channeled their characteristics. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, having to um, suffer that kind of pressure of we need to be productive, like you were saying, and we need to, uh, turn loose. We need to get paperwork done. We need to meet deadlines. That became the priority mission much more than uh, in the in the military. It's called troop welfare, but you know, for the the betterment of the actual clinicians that were sort of working underneath, um, it was like that. That wasn't really thought about. It was more like you're just sort of a cog in a wheel. You're just a, a number. Like these aren't your friends. This is like. We need to uh, we need to meet our objectives first, um, and if if somebody actually needs to be a human, and maybe they're sick, or maybe their kid's sick, and they need to go home, or they are burnt out because we've been hammering home, you know, we've got to be um, uh, productive and we've got to meet these deadlines. Um, it was it was frowned upon, you know. So uh, uh, 
I, I am really, it's, it's sort of a call to order. Like maybe we need to refocus our attention and promote ways of, uh, uh, especially with healthcare workers um, to, you know, it's important for you to balance your life. It's important for you to actually do things that you enjoy that if, if you're an Uber driver, let's say, um, you may have the greatest car and you may know all the roads really well and know the traffic patterns and, you know, uh, know exactly, um, uh, you know, um, where to pick people up and exactly how to get there the most efficient way. But if you don't have gas in your tank, I mean, you can't drive anybody around. So it's important for you to stop every once in a while and refuel or refill or, you know, what have you. So uh, I, I think that's a, an important lesson for us is when do we need to stop and being aware of that, that we need to stop and fill up our tanks, uh, our proverbial tanks and do the things that recharge us, that refuel us, that, you know, make us even better healthcare providers. Because if, uh, if you're lacking, then think about the care that you can or cannot provide to the people that you're serving. Right. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I think you're right. I think we are really only as good as the fuel that, that we're, and if we're running on fumes, then the quality of the care ultimately. And, you know, when you're talking about um, when we're treating human beings, we have to make do some real damage and you know uh you know the the um vow is real um so i think uh you know when we're talking about taking care of ourselves it's really very important and i don't i don't think it's something that's as much as it should in uh, medical programs uh counseling programs I just, I don't think it's, it's taught enough. I don't think it's, it's the importance of self-care and, and how that is just as important as any other aspect of one's training. And I, I wish that that would be a bigger part of the training that healthcare providers get. And um, I, 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 I hope that eventually we get to the point where that is, and hopefully it will be. Well, let's uh, talk about maybe some things that uh, we can do to take better care of ourselves. Sure. Refer to four or five areas. And we're talking about our mental health, emotional health, or psychological health our physical health, our financial health, and our professional health. I think the, those, those five areas to me are the that you need to stand on, that need to be strong. Those structures need to be very strong in order to prop me up and you up. And so how do you work on in terms of you know, your psycho psychological or emotional health, I think boundaries particularly is one area that has to be worked on if you're 
going to feel emotional. If you're going to feel psychologically stable and strong, I think you've got to be thinking about your boundaries and the limits that you set with other people in life. Um, you know, that's absolutely something to work on in therapy. A lot of people work on that in therapy and counseling. Obviously, your physical health, <clears throat> I think we all know how to work. Um, I don't know that, that, that we do it enough, but that's another area, a very important area that we all need to be thinking about. Eating better, exercising, getting, uh, tending to um, health problems. So that's, that's another area. Financially, um, if you're in debt, debt um, if you are uh, you know, not making enough money, then maybe you need to pursue a way to make more money, but making sure that financially you're and stable. Um, spiritually, that, that might be an area that maybe is not as easy because how do you, how do you do that? Some folks are just not acquainted with spirituality and how to pursue spirituality. So I like to um, maybe consider doing something charitable, doing something charitable that is of service. And that oftentimes, for me, that is something for me, whether it's volunteering somewhere, donating my time somewhere, um, doing something good and selfless to me that that is, that's my spirituality. And, and that could be interpreted very different. Some people mm. going, going to church, uh, worship something greater than themselves is a way of pursuing spirituality. Some people, for them, it's, you know, hiking up a mountain or taking a walk in nature or a beautiful piece of art, that's spiritual for them. And so I, I encourage people to pursue something that is, that could be considered. Um, let's see, what were the others? It's uh, career, psychological, health, spirituality. Um, that, I mean, that pretty much covers it. So I think you really got to be cultivating those areas. And I think that will lead to feeling. And that is what taking care of yourself is. It's getting your needs met, making sure that your needs are being met on a regular basis. Um, and making sure that fringe upon somebody else's needs, like a spouse, um, more, more often than not. Sometimes, you know, uh, I, I got to go take care of myself today. It's going to take me away from you for a little while. And that's just how it's going to be, you know, because you're going to need your space to do that at some other point. So there's always that whole mutuality and reciprocation that, that goes on there. But 
I really think if you can pursue those four or five areas, that is, to me, that's what self-care is it's right there. Well, that was really uh, huge. I mean, uh, mentioning many different areas for you to actually look at, um, for you to organize those areas in your life and make sure that you're attending to the various needs in each one of those. Uh, when I remember working with kids and, and trying to embark upon them, the, the need for uh, being the best version of yourself is how I described it, which uh, really means finding balance in your life. Uh, I uh, use the analogy of, you know, baking a cake or baking cookies or something like that. Cause you know, a lot of kids can kind of remember, all right, if you were with your, you know, parents or with a grandparent and you were baking something like, you know, a cake or cookies, uh, putting in these different ingredients and there was sort of an order to it, you know, like um, you, you've got to have your dry ingredients and your wet ingredients and some of you have to whip up, you know, and, and you have to uh, sift these and you, you dump these out at a certain time and you mix them and then you put it in this other dish that has, you know, a coating on it or better yet you preheat the oven. There's, there's this, sim there's this, uh, you know, um, uh, recipe, but then there's the, the order of the, the, um, you know, tasks that you're doing in order to make this cake the best cake that you've had. And then there's the cooling time and then there's the putting the frosting on or, you know, uh, anyway, so I've used that analogy and then we've gone into, okay, well, if you, if you were uh, that cake or that, that recipe, you know, like, uh, what would it take for you to be the best version of yourself? And I remember breaking it down into those similar areas that you were talking about, you know, mentally, what kinds of things would you need in order for you to be the best version of yourself? Um, physically, what kinds of things would you need uh, emotionally, you know, um, and maybe even touch upon spirituality and, and how it can be a religious thing, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Uh, what kinds of things do you need in order for your own recipe for you to be that best version of you? And is there an order to it, you know? Um, and of course that kind of touches on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, of course you need the basic survival things and then you kind of move up the, the rungs, but you know, what would you need first? Because um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you might not be able to attend to mental needs because maybe you're spent mentally and emotionally, but you know what, if, I remember you talking about the bare minimum. I really like that. I've been thinking about that all week, just doing the bare minimum. If, if you're spent cognitively and emotionally and the only thing you can do in the evening time is work out, you know, at least physically you have some energy, then you do that, you know, mm -hmm. um, right. but sort of, yeah, coming, approaching it that way, that there's all these different layers and all these different um, things that go into your recipe and, to make sure that you are addressing all of those needs. Uh, it's very, very important and broken down like that. It makes it more consumable. It makes it more doable so that you can actually attend to all those areas. Uh, if that makes sense. And I like that. It makes sense to me. It may not make sense to other people. We may have to use a different analogy, but uh, that's just sort of complimenting what you were saying about uh, all those different areas and attending to those. Uh, and there are unique things for you and unique things for me that go into our recipes. Right. 
you know. It's, it's a blueprint that tends to work for me, and I've talked with my clients about it, and I think it it makes sense um, to to visualize it. And sometimes I will even draw it out for them. You know, where kind of self care is in the middle, and there are five spokes that come out, and you know, attached to each spoke is each way of taking care of yourself. And, right. Uh, Socially, career, uh, right, know, right. relationships and right. mental, physical. Yeah. All those right. things. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many <clears throat> people I've spoken to, whether they're clients, whether they're healthcare providers or whoever they are, um, even, you know, close personal friends and family. And I'll say, well, how do you take care of yourself? And they look at me like, they like I'm speaking a different language. They've never heard the term even because it isn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily taught to them. It wasn't taught to them by their parents and certainly wasn't taught to them, you know, uh, at their, in their schooling or education or jobs. And so when, if I'm working with clients, we start there and that's what we talk about. We talk about what self-care is, why you should do it, what the benefits are, um, what the negatives are for not doing it, and how one's lack of self-care, we can oftentimes correlate one's lack of self-care and neglect to the problems in their life. Usually, you can always trace back somebody's problems in life to their lack of self-care in one of those areas or all of those areas or just some of those areas especially if they're having interpersonal problems then it's then it's the boundary issue oftentimes and that's the 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 spoke labeled psychological and emotional yeah. that, that area so you know i, I kind of like using that um, you know, diagram or uh, theme or whatever you want to call it, because I, I think it's, it's a good way of seeing it. And it's a good way of teaching people what self-care is and why you should give a damn about it. Yeah. Well, I think about uh, like a pie chart, you know, and it, looking at the different uh, um, slices if you were to um, create slices for your entire day and how much time and energy, however you quantify that, into your career, uh, into your family life, into your marriage, say, uh, into your uh, social interactions, you know, with, with peers or friends or colleagues or whatever you uh, time with your, uh, your children, um, time for you. You know, what would all those pieces look like? I mean, how balanced would they be? Because I guess the ultimate goal is to get each one of those slices to look exactly, you know, like uh, they just came from that New York pizzeria that, you know, they sliced them all perfectly, you know. Um, but if you look at our lives, I mean, my life and your life too, I'm sure you could see how the pieces are definitely not symmetrical. And how can, it's important to visualize it either in your mind or on paper and look at 
how much time, what percentage of that pie is devoted to that specific area and how can you take that, you know, 67% chunk that's devoted to your career and shrink that down so that you can, you know, balance out the other areas. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it is entirely about balance. Um, you know, oftentimes with the population that I work with on a daily basis between the hours of nine and five, uh, they're veterans. And I don't, you're, you know, you tell me, but in the military, was self-care something that was talked about at any great length? I, well, I it, it, it usually involved alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> no not no not at all you were uh uh a cog in a machine not, not to beat that whole uh, cliche to uh to death but yeah you were just you were there to perform you were um in my case you're a marine and this is what you're required to do and self-care was maybe you got uh um 72 hours off, you know, they call it uh, libo or liberty, you know, you get this time off to go do whatever the hell you want to do. And like I said, you know, it, it, since people generally who are in the military are younger, you know, sort of, you know, 20 ish around there. I mean, you're, you're kind of going towards that, you know, going out and drinking and sort of, you know, not partying, but yeah, I mean, that party kind of atmosphere, that college kind of, you know, so it, it was mostly focused around just sort of letting loose. Um, but self-care was not an important thing. It wasn't talked about or preached. And uh, even in school, you know, um, learning more about social work and advocacy and therapy. I mean, I remember the, the it was just barely touched upon self-care and I remember the professor really talking about how important it was and uh balance but then that that was maybe you know uh during one class you know for 45 minutes and then that that was it I mean the rest of the time was about us being how do we be the best clinicians uh, we can be which ironically um in order to be a really good clinician to be the best clinician, you have to have that balance that we're, we're just, it's not, it's not really, in, we don't learn it. You know, we don't, it's not that taught to us. It's not ingrained that, Hey, this is an important thing that you need to do. It's just sort of like, but, and it's almost frowned upon. Like I said before, if somebody says, Oh, I need extra time on this, or I need, you know, uh, I'm not going to be able to finish whatever the task is or the assignment. Um, school work, what have you, it's almost like, you know, you're less than for not being able, for, for being, you're selfish for doing that. Right. You know? Or you can't hack it. You know, you are underperforming, you are being uh, lazy or unproductive or unmotivated or unenthusiastic. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of those kinds of explanations. Um, I, I bring up the veteran population that I work with because when I get them, they're, they're mostly older older guys and, they're, uh, and they have substance abuse histories. And, and they've arrived at my program usually after going through homelessness, detox, rehabilitation, 
um, and then getting housing. And then they, sh then I get them, they show up wanting outpatient substance abuse treatment. And I, I and they don't really, at that point, they're not quite sure what they want to do with the rest of their lives. And so I bring up the self-care discussion because it's a starting point for them. Because for many of these guys, they were never taught what self-care is. They may have been taught to be self-centered, but not to take care of themselves. And it's a concept that it, it takes a while for them to get the, the, to understand and comprehend the concept because their experiences have dictated that taking care of themselves is selfish and so and, that, and you, that, you that feel is self-centered taking care of yourself putting yourself before others particularly you know yeah. for servicemen they're they're you're not you don't join the military to help yourself you join <laughs> right. the military to help your country and to help yeah you know protect others you're in a help helping capacity you're serving you're serving yeah. it's right it's right and yeah. and if you start I mean, engaging in any self-serving action you're doing something wrong is is really the inference right so i think for a lot of these guys it's it's tough for them to to understand that concept that it's okay for me to take care of myself and to get my needs met through means other than drinking and drugging and womanizing and manipulating because they've been so starved and deprived of the permission to take care of oneself that they don't know how to do it other than those methods that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so I think for them, drawing that diagram, the self-care diagram that I mentioned on a dry erase board, for, for a lot of them, it's like, it's like their mind is blown. You know, it's kind of like, oh, that's what I need to do. You know, doing it, of course, is a whole other task, but at least they understand what they're supposed to do because so many of them are so lost after they've gotten sober, they've gotten, you know, their apartment. What do they do now? They don't know, they don't know what to do. They've been in the military, which kept them very busy. They've been drinking and drugging, which kept them very busy. And they, you know, they're not sure what to do now. And so taking care of themselves is a way of figuring out, well, you know, what do I do with the rest of my life? Well, right. what do any of us do with the rest of our lives? it's got to be taking care of yourself. If and we you, can't just wait until we retire to do that. Yeah. You may not make it to right? retirement if you don't yeah. take care of yourself. Yeah. By the time you're ready to take care of yourself, you drop dead. Yeah. Cause you didn't, you didn't take care of yourself. Isn't that, isn't that just funny that notion? And it's so true that it's like, Oh, you know, that's when you can really let your hair down and really enjoy life and all it has to offer is when you retire, when you when you're done working, you know you're behind off, um, and you've saved up all this money. Then when it's even a challenge for you to you know uh, get up and perform your daily tasks, that's when you can relax and enjoy yourself. Right. When we have 
we, uh, I'm going to sound kind of pessimistic and uh, angsty here, but when we have r- sufficiently wrung you out, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. now you, if there's anything left over for you, yeah. feel free. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knock exactly. yourself out. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really ass backwards uh, uh, way, but that's just, that's our society. And, yeah, and that is, that, you know, that is very traditionally American. It's a very American, I, I think, I think it's a very American sensibility of, it is a, it is a very noble to work your fingers to the bone. You know, there are, I've, I've, I've heard of so many, you know, I've, I've heard of, uh, people who have worked into their eighties and, and, and they, they have died on their, on the job, they died on the job. And, and that is looked at as very noble and that's something that they should be very proud of. And, um, you know, I don't, to me, it's very tragic unless that's what they want to do. Unless that's really how they want to go and how they want to live their lives. Then, then great, more power to you. I don't. I don't know that that's that's necessarily healthy for everybody, though. And the 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 ironic part when we're talking about healthcare workers, because that's what the topic is today, is how ironic it is that healthcare workers are tasked with helping people get healthier, and yet they have trouble themselves being healthy and taking good care of themselves. That's yeah. the, the terribly tragic ironic part of all of this that's really being highlighted now with this pandemic right uh, it, it is about this plight that healthcare workers have been going through for a really long time and enduring for a really long time the, the, the pandemic or no pandemic just on a regular basis because of a broken healthcare system it's very difficult for health care workers to take good care of themselves. And it's, it's incredibly ironic and terribly tragic and really sad and really criminal when you think of it, when you think about that. So what an opportunity we have now to advocate for health care workers, for ourselves, and move towards how, how do I find a, a way to balance out my entire life for me to take, uh, to zoom out all the way and look at it from a higher perspective, a higher plane, and look at all the different pieces and parts, the inner workings of it, and rearrange it, reorient it so that you can actually have uh, an enjoyable life starting now, today, and not waiting until you're, you know, 75, 80 to start enjoying life, that you can actually enjoy uh, each moment that you have, time with yourself, time with your spouse, your loved ones, your family, uh, uh, time doing something completely different from what you do on a regular basis. Now, um, and it's funny because when I'm talking with clients and I uh, start discussing the concept of having a hobby, I don't use that word hobby because for me, uh, for some reason, I can't ascertain why. I have negative connotations to the word hobby. It just sounds like a throwaway type of thing. Like, yeah, get a hobby, like this cliche. Yeah, like Like these images of model airplanes. Yeah, he's uh, building model airplanes, (laughs) sniffing the glue or, you know, doing a puzzle or whatever. Um, 
but all those things are hobbies. And uh, so I, I shy away from using that term, but I start talking about doing something different that you do on a normal um, basis, something different maybe than what you do for work, uh, something that is maybe even challenging or maybe just um, uh, robotic, you know, that uh, you can just engage in without any thought, maybe just to, to de-stress. But by using your uh, brain in a different way and creating something possibly, um, it just, it takes you away. It takes you away from the monotony of what you're doing. Because I love doing therapy. I love doing what I'm doing, but I need to go out. Uh, oh, sorry. I need to go out and build um, a table out of wood, you know, or I I need to fix something or um uh, just do anything different than that, just maybe for a weekend or maybe for a few hours, just to to decompress and to put me in the moment. Well, how much would you continue to love it if you weren't able to do those things, though? Yeah. You, know, you probably, you might not love it for very much longer because ultimately you would feel deprived. Yeah. Because that is a way of re-energizing and replenishing some of the some of the you know the energy that admittedly does sometimes get lost and gets burned off when we do a job not every moment doing our job is enjoyable or fun or pleasurable and that and that's okay that's all right but if you're in a in a career or a job where there's no space for that. It's not encouraged. It's, 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 it's not possible. You're going to run out of gas ultimately. Um, and it's really unhealthy and it's, it's, and it's very upsetting to me, particularly when I see colleagues going through that, when I see other healthcare workers going through that, when I hear about, you know, frontline medical workers, you know, taking care of COVID-19 patients, you know, in Manhattan at hospitals without proper PPE, when they don't have masks, when they're making their own masks, when, you know, there, there, there aren't enough uh, nurses to relieve one another and they're working shift after shift after shift. That, that's incredibly sad to me, incredibly, you know, that's incredibly frustrating to me. And not all of these healthcare workers make the kinds of salaries that doctors make to justify working your fingers to the bone in a situation like this one. Yeah. So that, that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the, the kick in the teeth. Don't take care of yourself and we're not really going to pay you what we're supposed to pay you. And by the way, when there's a pandemic, you're not going to get hazard pay either. Right. And you're putting your life on the line. Potentially. You're literally putting your life on the line. Yeah. Um, and look, and to a degree, healthcare workers, we, when we take the job, we know, we, we know what we're in for. We know that this is, you know, we're not hedge fund managers, <laughs> right? right? right. Yeah. We know that. Who are not doing pretty, very well right now, I think. Um, you know, so we, you know, we understand that and we acknowledge that, um, but there should be some sense of parity 
I think, um, and then there isn't. And, and that's terribly unfortunate and I'd love to see a change in that. And you know, what I, what I could say about promoting self-care is that I think it means more when it comes from another healthcare worker. So I think it's really gotta be from healthcare worker to, to healthcare worker, from provider to provider, clinician to con clinician, counselor to counselor. If you see a colleague who is not taking good care of themselves, I think you gotta point it out to them. And I think that's how it happens. That's how we get healthcare workers to take better care of themselves. Because I think if it comes from a peer, it's maybe it's it's more credible, it's more believable, it's more palatable. I'll be able to accept it more. And so I think that's our our job as healthcare providers. If we see a colleague who's not taking good care of themselves, we we have to have to let them know, hey, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. You, you know, you're you're working too much. You seem you don't seem well. Yeah. You know. That's an important thing. Uh, and I think even though it might be a challenge to, you know, call somebody out and, you know, especially with, uh, you know, uh, all the negative associations we have or that are attached to, you know, um, not only somebody saying, because it, it's a judgment or it's, at least it's a perceived judgment that you're doing something wrong or you're not doing something, you know, uh, that they deem is a, uh, um, sound, uh, but I think it is important. Put that aside, and uh, and promote this this idea that it is okay for you to take time for yourself. That it is okay for you to take care of yourself. That you can advocate for yourself, and if you can't advocate for yourself, you can find somebody who will help support you and advocate uh, for your needs. Uh, maybe that is a supervisor that can kind of help. Uh, pave the way. Uh, I think it is important for us to remind each other of the fact uh, and the importance that we need to spend time on our self-care. And maybe you need to even offer up, hey, these are the kinds of self-care practices that I do. Uh, I make sure that I exercise on a regular basis. Uh, I do crossword puzzles or Sudoku or, you know, to turn my mind off. I watch countless YouTube videos on how to perform some task, you know, to learn something different uh, or to learn about a new piece of technology, you know, just to kind of get on it. I, you know, uh, build furniture or at least I attempt to, you know, <laughs> um, these are the things that I do that have helped. Maybe you could try one of those or maybe you can come up with your own. Maybe you can try one just briefly, you know, and uh, see where that takes you. Yeah. Um, and I remember talking with clients about like uh, playing the guitar, you know, if you don't know how to play the guitar, you can't just pick it up, play it and then be like, Oh, this isn't working. You know, it, it takes some practice. Uh, you have to devote a little bit of time to some of these different techniques to see if they could work for you. Cause maybe after the uh, fourth or fifth time of you picking up the guitar, you can actually play a few chords and it's actually starting to sound uh, all right and you can build from there. But it, it takes some uh, uh, devotion to that, to that thing, whatever it is. 
I think that's really important. So I, I'm, I'm agreeing that uh, to call each other out on our stuff and just to, just to remind them, be mindful of the fact, Hey, you know, we're in this together and uh, we're embracing the suck of it. Um, you know, you okay, everything. All right. You know, would you change anything uh, in your life? And maybe to kind of open up some dialogue and maybe, you know, you get, yeah, you know what? I would, I wish I could have some more time um, and to take action on that because how often do you uh, after work or what, after everybody swipes out, you're sort of standing there in the parking lot complaining about this, that, and the other thing, and then nothing happens. It's sort of like the same conversation for years, you know, uh, but to take action on that, what can we do about it? What can we change? And if there's nothing we can change about it, then uh, maybe we focus on something else that we can potentially change or have an effect on so that we can have time. For or maybe we get a different job or maybe we get a different career. If this one is, if this one's killing me, then I, maybe I got to get a different career and that's frightening. Um, but it's hell frightening. Is yeah. Your life is at stake. Yeah. Your life is at stake. It's, it's some, for some people, <clears throat> it's a matter of life and death and you better choose life yeah but how how many of us have had that uh put upon us that it, it that that isn't as important as it is having a career and focusing on and maintaining that you know the consistent pay and benefits you know um and uh the people of our generation sort of look down upon the uh uh, the younger population where they're a lot of them are entrepreneurs and they're vloggers and they're influencers and they're doing dances on TikTok and they're, you know, it's sort of like, man, I, you, you almost are envious that they have all this time to do that and that they can actually be productive and in their own way. Uh, but we, we view it as this entitled sort of, you know, you're, you're not complying with what we've had to comply with our lives, which is, you go to school, you uh, get a degree, you land a job and you stay at that job and you have benefits and you do whatever the agency or the boss is telling you to do. And then you retire sometime, you know, and also in between that, you, you know, uh, have a family and you go on vacation, you know, uh, once a year, and you know, all those. Uh, yeah. Or maybe we're resentful that, we weren't braver or courageous enough to take a chance and do something unconventional like you know this generation is doing uh, you know i i would love to go into work you know in jeans on a skateboard you know <laughs> right. uh wearing an ironic t-shirt i mean that that, that right. sounds awesome to me um microdosing on uh, you know that's that's not <laughs> that's not necessarily <laughs> my uh but you know i don't know that that's our generation um uh you know maybe more so than our parents and their parents before them um but yeah so anyway Think about self-care. If you're a healthcare worker, you must be thinking about self-care, no matter what your capacity is in healthcare. You've got to be thinking about it. And in all those areas that you were talking about, I mean, cognitively, psychologically, uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, family, uh, social, 
uh, physical, all those things, and and take uh, a deep dive and really look at all those different categories and the things that are required for you in each one of those categories for you to be the absolute best version of yourself. Um, and then equate that into some sort of graph or pie chart. Not that you have to do that, but at least just kind of visualize that. You probably already have it in your mind as to what the slices look like in all those areas. See if you can shrink down the larger ones and expand the other ones so that the pie is a lot more balanced and symmetrical. So I, I think that's sort of the big takeaway uh, for me. And I, and I hope that um, you guys got some enjoyment out of uh, that, of course, as always, it sparks uh, more interest and more questions on my part uh, for you, Michael. <laughs> so I'm eager to uh, just kind of continue the conversation uh, that we have for next week. Um, Me too. I think always, we could probably do like a part two almost. You know, I'm, for I'm, sure. I'm very enthusiastic about this. I'm passionate. I could talk a lot about this. Yeah. And you had touched on the boundaries, which uh, I had wanted to expand upon. Uh, um, earlier, but I got uh, sidetracked with other things. So uh, maybe we can kind of pick up with the, the boundaries um, uh, maybe next week and then add on to that. Um, as always, a pleasure, Michael. Thank you again uh, for being here and, and being available. Uh, and I look forward to uh, meeting with you again next week. You too. Sounds awesome. Right. Hey, there they go. There they go. Healthcare workers, right on. Here for us. <laughs> All right, brother. <laughs>